1: emotional intelligence is often seen as being very soft and woolly and very fluffy fluffy. Mm -hmm. yes it's all about emotions isn't it yes it is but emotions are not woolly emotions are not fluffy they are very hard to work with
0: welcome to the bombshell business podcast where driven women in business learn how to become more bold brave and unwaveringly confident feel empowered and challenge through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome to the Velvet Machete Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle. And today we are going to dig into some of my favorite topics um, around just self-awareness and emotional intelligence and all the things that really strengthen your ability to be a velvet machete leader, where you are strong in who you are and you're confident in that, but you're always considering the other person, wrapping that message, wrapping that mess, uh, influence in a way that's appealing to your distinct audiences. So we have a super expert today who's going to help guide us in some of those areas and beyond. And I would love to tell you a little bit about our guest, Robin Hill's. Robin is the director of EI4Change, a company that specializes in emotional intelligence, positive psychology, and neuroscience, this is where I start snorting and getting all excited about data and science, (laughs) and he has taught more than 250,000 students how to build resilience, increase self-awareness, and understanding of others. He's the author of two books and has developed the experiential coaching methodology, Images of Resilience, um, and sits on the Northwest Committee of the Association of Business Psychology. So in other words, we have somebody who's kind of a big deal on the show today. Welcome, Robin. Thank you for spending time with us.
1: It's my pleasure, Amber. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: So I, um, there's so much to unpack in a short amount of time. But I want to hear how you decided to really go more of the academic route, uh, academic approach to emotional intelligence and leadership. Because when you're talking about neuroscience and psychology, like that is not, that is not the easy way through this, right? You like, you really have some science behind you. Can you just take us down that path?
1: Sure. But I'm going to take you back into last century when I went to college and I <laughs> studied for a degree in biology. Um, I did cell biochemistry and physiology, which is what really interested me and still interests me very much today, but it interested me at the time. And uh, I came out of college with my degree and I wanted to use my science degree, but I wanted to go and get some skills, some experience doing something completely different. So I went into medical selling And that's a nice opportunity to go and influence, persuade, work with world-renowned leaders in the clinical sphere, but at the same time, one has to have credibility, and one has to know one's stuff, and one has (laughs) to know the science. So obviously, in terms of selling medicines, and I was working in the field of anti-infectives, which is a very, very complex field. It kind of just pushed the science button. So when I started working in emotional intelligence about 15 years ago, and actually defining working in emotional intelligence about 15 years ago, it seemed very natural to underpin it with good quality research and good quality data, because emotional intelligence is often seen as being very soft and woolly and very fluffy. fluffy. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's all about emotions, isn't it? Yes, it is, but emotions are not woolly. Emotions are not fluffy. They are very hard to work with.
0: I love you already. Can we say it again? Way louder for the people in the back. (laughs)
1: Well, emotions are not fluffy. Emotions are very hard. Emotions contain data. And if we apply intelligence to emotions, we can become emotionally intelligent. So what we've got to learn to do, and you don't have to be a scientist to do this, if you are feeling something, what is that feeling and why are you feeling it? And if you can actually name that emotion it actually has been shown scientifically to lessen the intensity of the emotion and you're actually able to work with it much more efficiently so the key here is not to be afraid of emotions but actually to embrace them and to say well they're part of who i am and the way in which i work with them is part of me yeah
0: So I like, I love that. And I think I can't remember if it was on mind your leadership or secrets of success, where you were talking about your, your biology background. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, I got through college chemistry by giving my professor, um, a dozen donuts when I handed in my, (laughs) my final exam, it worked. I got an A just saying, but
1: Oh, I wish I'd I, done the the donut technique.
0: I'm telling you, I'm like, I have a degree in PR. I'm pursuing a degree in PR. This is what I've learned how to do. I don't need to know chemistry. And then I ended up getting into data and science anyways, because it's not as scary as people think it is, right? So No,
1: it's not. It's fun.
0: It's you super fun. just got fun. to understand
1: it. And,
0: yeah. and then you can own it, right? So, so I'm thinking like maybe we should start with, if we're going to talk about emotions and leadership let's talk about like the individual and and i love how you leaned into um you have to own your feelings and then you can use it you can use it as your own data you can use it as a um, to inform what you're going to do next or you know all that kind of stuff and then once we're solid here and we're able to deal with our own emotions using that as a superpower and dealing with our teams is that a good road for us today
1: Yes, yes, most definitely. And I I think it actually opens up the field of empathy. Because if you are in a position to actually say, well, if this position was reversed, and I was in that place that the, the other person is in, this is how I would be feeling. And this is how I would respond. And that really is a core quality that a lot of people just do not do can't do or won't do Mm -hmm. so uh, everything seems to revolve around them which we know is not a good leadership trait and most leaders have learned to actually embrace empathy a lot more
0: so one question that i frequently ask and and men and women both equally i would say respond in this way they'll be explaining a problem that, that they're having either with a team member, even just with a, a, like a tactical type, you know, operational type thing. And I will ask, well, how does that make you feel? Or how did that make you feel? And interestingly, instead of naming an emotion, they say, well, Susie said and did this and Bob said and did that. And this software broke down and I'm like, Oh, wow. We're still not to feelings. We're talking about external, you know, resistance or variables. When all of that was happening, how did you feel? And it is really a struggle. Why is that so, Robin? Why do we have a hard time naming our feelings?
1: I, I, I don't know is the honest answer to that and um, I'm a a Myers-Briggs type indicator practitioner and when I look at the way in which people take in information and process information people with a very strong sensing preference and a very strong thinking preference find it incredibly difficult to name emotions and work with feelings because they're not seeing them as being solid robust bits of data and with these types of people whether they're male or female and this surprised me when I found this out a few years ago when you ask them this question how are you feeling you'll get exactly as you say a logical statement based around something that has happened (laughs) How, how are you feeling Yeah, okay. It's about as good as I'll get. (laughs) So um, whether it's down to the way in which people have learnt to work with their preferences through Jungian psychology, or whether there's some way in which the brain has been wired during early childhood and early adulthood, I don't know. And I think there is some interesting work that's being done around this. So the jury's still out. But uh, getting people to label emotions is hard it's hard and I I'm an ENFP
0: so this ENFP will just keep digging until we get there (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm an ENFP too
0: are you really I am yeah, so uh,
1: again, I, I find it very easy because it's core to the way in which you and I work. Nice. That feeling preference is auxiliary, it's, um, it's a secondary, and it's internalized. So we're very able to run everything through our core values to a, a very high degree and a very high level. Um, and the, That's the way in which I work with emotions, because I have this clarity within myself. And I want to share it with everybody else, because when you do it well, it's great. So how can we do it? And how can we help people? And The way in which I do it is just say to them, look, um, let me give you some examples of how I work with emotions and how I express emotions. Uh, Prior to coming onto this podcast, I was feeling quite anxious good because if I'm not feeling anxious then I'm not in the right physiological and emotional state to actually deliver a good podcast a good interview so um, I'm happy now that I'm sitting here and that we're talking and everything seems to be going incredibly well I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of the evening because it's evening here in the UK where I'll go out for a walk and that's getting me very excited so uh, there we have three different emotions expressed in three different ways and none of those are scary and it doesn't take anything away from me as an individual or a human being by saying these are the emotions that i'm feeling
0: that's awesome i love that such strong advice um so if if we're trying to help leaders develop self-awareness you have myers-briggs which is a tool it's a scientific psychoanalytic tool which is is kind of a shortcut to yeah. developing self-awareness. Short of those type of tools, if I'm just in my day-to-day, what are some steps that I can take to strengthen my own self-awareness?
1: I think it's uh, a case of reacting to, looking for, and Uh, appreciating any feedback that you get. So as a leader, we need to get feedback. Uh, How did that work? What did I do well here? What could I have done better? And any leader worth their salt is going to go along and ask those kind of questions, whether they do it directly or whether they do it subtly. But they need to listen to the answers and they need to respond to that. And as human beings, as leaders, we're not going to get it right all the time. Mm-hmm. uh because we're dealing with other people and other people are very complex so um I, we're not looking to we're not looking for great accolades to say how wonderful we are but at the same time we're not looking to fail here we're looking to get some feedback as to what we did well and what we could do better next time and i think the other important thing to say about leaders is that just because you screw up um with regards to some of your interactions with people doesn't necessarily mean to say that you're going to lose your job so if you make mistakes and if you fail you're not nobody's going to come and strip that leadership title away from you, that role away from you, just simply because you make a few errors here and there around feedback, around self-awareness, around your growth and development. If you're consistently doing it and the impact is having a negative impact on other people, then different conversation. Majority of times, you know, fail, pick yourself up, point yourself in the the right direction, give it a go, give it yeah. a go. It, it shows a high level of vulnerability. And strangely enough, you're actually a better leader because of it, because people respect you more. Right,
0: yeah. You know, and, and you, you think of like the celebrities, um, everybody loves to pet the winning horse until that horse is winning too much right and so we want to see the rise and fall of everyone and so if you just show people the falling then nobody's going to be out to make you fall because it's already happening you're already human they don't have to you know slaughter the demigod um, to make themselves feel better about themselves so what happens if i'm um, this i find this a lot as well so we have as you know um, we have the, the silver tsunami, right? So all of, all of our boomers are retiring or going off as consultants. And, um, and then Gen X isn't a big enough backfiller. It's a smaller population. And so we have, we have our millennial friends um, who are stepping into these more senior roles. They have not been on the planet long enough to have some of the same life experiences that perhaps some of our baby boomer gen xers have had when they stepped into their more senior roles so what can somebody like that who's terrified by the way like there are some i I love how everybody thinks that millennials are arrogant and i'm like well no they're not but they understand they're not equipped (laughs) they're faking it till they make it (laughs) What can they do? Like is there some science is something that maybe are less you know vulnerable, emotional friends who are listening or watching on YouTube? Is there something that you can offer them to help them strengthen their leadership? Um, that we haven't already talked about to kind of help them fill that gap? That was a really long question. I'm not sure if that was clear.
1: (laughs) No, that was clear enough. But let me roll the clock back. Look, let me roll it back to the the turn of the century where you've got the baby boomers and the Gen X who are stepping into leadership roles. How do you think they feel? They're terrified too. Yes. They haven't got that level of experience. They make it up as they go along. And uh, most of the time... They get it right or they, they do it in a different way to the generation that went beforehand. Mm-hmm. I think today's young millennials, the leaders from Gen Z and uh, the next generation beyond that have got a wonderful opportunity ahead yeah. of them because yeah. they have a completely new world post-pandemic to make a real difference. So just go out there. Do your best, but do it from your heart. What is it that feels right? Consciously and unconsciously, if it feels right, give it a go. Fall over get a bloody nose, pick yourself back up again, say hey, that didn't work, let's try something else. The other thing is uh, these young people, young people, uh, these people that are younger than I am. I was going to say, they're (laughs)
0: younger than me, I validated that by my Botox
1: the other day. Well, well, looking very good on it. Um, But these these younger people have uh, a tool at their disposal that Uh, we didn't have when we were moving into leadership and that's some of the communication channels that's the internet Mm -hmm. that's the mobile devices that everybody's got and it doesn't matter whether you where you go in the world everybody is connected through a mobile device In actual fact, I I heard a statistic, and I can't remember the numbers because, hey, I'm an ENFP. I
0: was going to say, irrelevant. We can
1: find them somewhere. Yeah, but but I heard a statistic. The relevance of it is that there are more mobile phones out there in the big wide world than there are toilets. So that would not surprise me at all, because when you go into some of the uh, lesser developed countries, everybody's got a mobile phone. So look at what the young leaders of today and tomorrow have got at their disposal that what my generation, our generation didn't have. When I graduated, the internet hadn't been invented. Email was 10 years in the future. (laughs) A mobile phone was a great brick thing.
0: Yeah, so I had a pretty sassy turquoise beeper. Like I could (laughs) plan a whole night through code on the beeper. I'll I'll add a link to a Wikipedia page of what a beeper is for those of you too young to understand what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) I might go. I might have to go and have a look. I don't know what a beeper is either. Oh,
0: did you not like a pager? Did Did you have like What's little, a little pager? A pager. See, this is the difference. I have so many friends in the UK, and we're always learning each other's words.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. We talk the same language, but it's different.
0: It's different. Yeah, that's okay. It's, it's different from the south and the north of the United States of America too. So, so the one. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of good things uh, and and something that I'd say a lot is fail forward and, and turn your losses into lessons. So we're obviously in agreement there going with your gut, um, ha- having that really understanding that you have your conscious self and your subconscious self. And sometimes that subconscious is screaming at you, but you're not listening. So um, that's something to keep in mind when you're digging into that um, more um, subjective type of decision-making. When we're teaching leadership, we say that um, you really have to develop a deep sense of self-awareness so that you can see and harvest the greatness in others. Because if you don't understand yourself, then you you can't get that reflection or that contrast of, well, you're definitely not like me there. So maybe if I do the opposite, <laughs> that might work, right? So there's just some clues in that. Take us through leading other people and dealing with their emotions and their childhood wounds and their wagon of experiences that they bring along in life. What are some of your top tips to um, to help guide a, a leader working in that dynamic, especially post-COVID when we're, we're all very fragile?
1: Yeah. And I, I think the important um, leadership lesson here is that when you're engaging with somebody, anybody, you might know them for a little while, you might know them for a long time, but you really do not know that person. You don't know everything about them. You don't know all their childhood experiences. You don't know anything about the illnesses that they've had. You don't know what's in their bank account. You don't know what's in their immediate family. You don't need to know a lot of that. The important thing is you're reacting to the person in that present moment. So what is it that you can do to influence them within that present moment, there's nothing that you can do about what's gone in the past. Um, You can actually start to plan for a future of working together, but all you can do is influence at that present moment. And that is uh, another area of emotional intelligence and leadership, which is now being referred to as mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So it's this situational awareness of being very much in the present moment. What I did during my working day today um, you know I'm happy to share but it's not necessarily relevant what you're going to do and what you're planning to do after the podcast during your working day is not relevant what we need to do is to concentrate now on the here and now so i think the important thing is as i say uh, the 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 lesson is what can you influence in the here and now and also you do not know a lot of what's going on in other people's lives you'll know what's going on in your own life how can you draw upon that experience to influence and work with other people emotionally you don't know how they're feeling or responding. Um, A situation that might make me mildly cross might throw you into wild rage there, Amber. For somebody else, they might be irritated. Somebody else might be completely ambivalent. So the important thing is not to gauge other people's reactions according to your own. You know your own emotions, but Find out how other people are responding. Find out how they're coping. What else is going on in their life? What is it that you can do to support, help, and unblock them to give their best performance?
0: Yeah, that's one thing. I'm I don't. I'm not certified in Myers-Briggs, although it's one of my favorites, especially from a, a, you know, a genuine how do I psychologically see the world um, or experience the world. I do use two tools: um, the Predictive Index, which measures innate needs in a work environment, and and then what your what drives your behavior, and they predict the behavior. Um, mm-hmm. I also do um, how to fascinate, which is more of like a personal branding tool. It's not how do I see the world; it's how does the world see me at my best. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty all encompassing when you're talking about personal branding or employer branding. Um, but the one thing that None of these assessments do or clarify is what is happening in that person's personal life <laughs> what struggles are they going through what you know what is what's going on psychologically in the moment and so you can have somebody that is you know the perfect behavioral profile to do you know the requirements of that particular job that demands those behaviors behaviors and you can see what makes them sparkly to others but you if there's stuff going on behind the scenes, like that's a whole different microcosm, right? So if, if I'm, if I'm leading somebody and I have data on my team, but something's not right. And that person is not opening up to me. What do I do? That's happening a lot right now.
1: It, it it is it, it is and i think the important point here is we we just don't know what's going on in other people's lives and i think as a leader you've got to have difficult conversations from time to time you've actually just got to say to somebody look uh, i appreciate that we're not engaging at the right level here there's something that i'm not doing or not saying that is causing you to react in the way in which you're reacting. Um, What is it that I can do to help? What is it that I can do to uh, move our relationship forward? Do you need some space from me? Do I just need to get out of your hair for a day or two? Or is there something that you're not telling me that uh, you you don't need to tell me, but I need to know there's, there's, there's a blockage in our, our relationship such that we're not engaging at the deep level that I feel that we ought to engage with? That's not an easy conversation to have. But I think as a leader, it is an important conversation. Somebody may have... Their, their, their parent may have gone into hospital because of a COVID-related illness. Now, they may not want to share that with you, but at work, they're not going to give their best performance. Uh, they're, they, they may actually open up and say, oh, I'm worried about my mum or I'm worried about my father or whatever it is. Um, but uh, they, they probably don't need the leader. Breathing down their neck, saying "What's wrong? What's wrong? Tell me, tell me." So, part of your own self-awareness is is knowing the impact that you have on other people, and being able to gauge when you may be stepping over the line. Now, we've got to bear in mind that the leader is under certain pressures themselves in certain in terms of delivering outcomes right. and in terms of uh, hitting targets. So they've then got to get that balance right between the demands of the business and the demands of the people that they're they're working with. And this is always a continual challenge for leaders.
0: It is because you do have to manage the person to the job. Like the job has to get done. It's moving towards operational goals and there is a financial outcome that is contingent upon that. And and no one is in business and, and well, no, no one is in business because business is about exchanging product or services for cash. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we need to make that cash part. Mm. But if you're having to manage the person to the job while also respecting their humanity, that, that can be challenging when we're thinking about self-awareness, empathy, compassion, and mindfulness and emotional intelligence. What, what is, what's the last thing you want people to remember before we part ways, Robin?
1: I, I think the important thing to remember here is that you are a unique individual who has a pathway open to you that you can define for yourself. Just be the best version of who you can be out there and do that with good grace and enjoy everything that life opens up for you and do it utilizing your emotions in the right way
0: I just feel like you and I need to get in a room and drink some bourbon together I feel like (laughs) that would be a delightful experience we would never stop talking (laughs) that was awesome that is a beautiful way to end this podcast Um, you definitely uh, if if you don't go scurrying to find this man's books and um, and social media channels then um, I, I don't I don't know what else you're going to do, but we definitely want you to, um, you can download his free book, uh, Developing Your Emotional Intelligence. We will have a link in the show notes for that. Um, And then we can also, he he has a free online course, which is Managing with Mindfulness. So if anything today perked your interest, or if you thought like, hmm, I'm really ill-prepared in that area, he's got you and it's all free. So make sure that you visit visit the show notes at amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast. Find this episode or the show notes will be on iTunes or, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then um, he's also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. So we'll have all of those links in the show notes. And um, and then his website is E as in Erickson, I as in ice for change.com, EI for change.com. And you can find Robin there. Um, Robin thank you so much for sharing yourself and your experience with us today
1: but it's been brilliant really really enjoyed it thank you ever so much
0: absolutely well that is it for today my friends please make sure that you um, go leave a rating and an honest review that helps us be able to reach more leaders just like you so we can help them strengthen that velvet machete that we all should be wielding in life and um, if you have something that you want to discuss with Robin, reach out to him on LinkedIn. And always, you're welcome to email me and tell me what you got out of this episode. You know, I always answer you back. I might take a little bit, but I always answer you back. Um, and then if I don't see you in my inbox, then I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the businesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.